Amen. Judges chapter 2, verse 8. Judges chapter 2, verse 8. We're going to read that uh, scripture together. And uh, we're going to pray that the Lord helps us this morning. I believe God wants to speak to our hearts and uh, just minister some things into our lives um, that we will never forget. You know, we come to church. Uh, some, some of us come very often, multiple times a week. Uh, others come on, on Sundays. But whatever it is, or however many times you tune in online, um, we always have an opportunity to learn something, uh, to walk away here uh, changed different and to be able to, to make a greater impact in this world uh, than when we did before. So each and every service, let's have that attitude that, Lord, I want to walk away different. I want to walk away knowing something uh, that I didn't know before and applying something in my life that I maybe didn't apply before. So we're going to look uh, at the Word of God here. So Judges chapter 2, verse 8. We're going to read that, and then we're going to pray that the Lord helps us this morning. Ju uh, Judges 2, 8. The Bible says, Joshua, son of Nun... The servant of the Lord died at the age of 110 years old. Uh, Joshua was a, was a powerful man of God, did great exploits for God. Uh, he, he uh, after Moses, led the children of Israel out of uh, Egypt. Uh, Joshua was next in line, and God used Joshua to, to lead the people of God into the promised land. So here he is, all those exploits, and he passes away at uh, age of 110 years old. They buried him in verse 9. In the land he had been allocated, at Timnath, Sarah, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the Mount, uh, of Mount Gash. In verse 10, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord. Or listen to this. Or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them. And they angered the Lord. Verse 13, they abandoned the Lord to serve Baal and the images of Ashtoreth. Let's pray this morning. Father, we come before you this morning, God. We thank you for your, your spirit, God. We thank you for salvation, for your mercy, God, for calling us, Lord. Father, I pray that you would help us, that you would minister to our hearts uh, this morning, God, that we would remember, my God, the great responsibility entrusted to us, God, the responsibility of your word and passing your word on to those coming after us, Father God. I pray that you would help us, God, that you would help us this morning, that you would uh, strengthen us, that we would obey your word, Father, and that we would teach your word to, to many others, Father God. Uh, through, through words and through, most importantly, exampleship, Father God. And Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. We pray that you would help us this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. And all the believers say, amen. amen. So the Bible here talks about a generation who grew up and did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. Now, I want you to think back in your life uh, of the various things that you've learned throughout your life. I mean, we're all a work in progress. We're all constantly learning, but perhaps think about the things you've learned about family. And maybe there is someone important in your life that taught you through exampleship the importance of family, the importance of being a father or how to be a mother. Or we could uh, move this on into to the realm of, of your work, perhaps uh, there at your job, someone that took the time to, to train you to show you the ins and outs of, of your organization or your trade, you know, being uh, perhaps 
the trade that you're in, someone taking the time to teach you. Now, how was that imparted? It was imparted through, through someone else. It was imparted through someone teaching you something, spending the time in your life to teach you. In that case, you were a student. You were receptive of, of, of the, the information and, and the knowledge that someone was, was trying to pass on to you. And because of that, you were able to learn something new. I think back in my life and, and those that, that taught me, and God has used many, and that's how God works. He uses many experiences, situations, individuals, and people in our lives to teach us different things. I, I remember learning the importance of prayer, and it's always been an ongoing thing, but uh, through conversations, through encouraging words, through exampleship, men of God in my life and women of God showing me the importance of prayer. Uh, the importance of, of, of preaching the word of God and, and God using our lives and someone teaching me and, and spending time and kind of the, the ins and outs of preaching and, and outreaching, sharing the good news of Christ, witnessing, uh, uh, taking groups out and, and outreaching through exampleship, through some of the, the other things that I learned as a child. I remember uh, my older cousin taking me out back, teaching me uh, about pitching and throwing the baseball, spending time with me about fishing, about, you know, these things that we all grow up. I remember uh, there's an individual that came, comes to mind that when I was entering into my senior year of high school, I uh, worked as a gardener in landscaping for, for a summer there in the desert of all places. So I learned how to work outside, and I'll tell you what, it was hot. But this individual, we were, there, he was, we were trimming a tree, and there was a wasp nest there. And through, through just no, like, it seemed effortless, he, he, he taught me how to, to knock down a wasp nest and clear it without getting stung. And I, I remember uh, him teaching me that, and through other uh, opportunities, I, I learned to practice that, and I could say I can get rid of a wasp nest today without getting stung. So far, I haven't gotten stung. But it was because someone taught me there's a certain way to do it. There's patience. There's, there's, there's a technique. And on and on, all the different things in our lives, we, we think back, and who taught us that? There's, there are people that come to mind that God used. See, we are given an opportunity and a responsibility to teach others, to teach the next generations the important things of life. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. The title of this message is Pass It On. Say pass it on with me. Pass it on. Now, I was reading an article out of Decision Magazine, and it was explaining the results of a survey done by Probe Ministries. And it talked about uh, the... The, the thought and the, the lesson of passing one's beliefs on to the next generation. And listen to some statistics here. It says, the most dramatic change has been the percentage of young people who are unaffiliated with any religion. Okay, and they, in this survey, they referred to those as the nuns because they either selected atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular on a survey. In the last decade, the unaffiliated have almost tripled from 13% to 35% of the population. See, remember the scripture that we just read here a moment ago in verse 10. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. Church, I believe that this morning that the Lord is, is, is commanding us, is telling us that, it's, that we have to wake up. That we have such a great responsibility to teach the truth of God's word, the things that God has taught us, the things that, that the Lord's imparted into our hearts, into our lives by his spirit, 
through the word of God and through the exampleship of our, of our spiritual forefathers, we now have a responsibility to pass that on to others. Now, when we look at statistics like this, it's very sobering and it's, it's pretty scary, actually. Because what's going to happen in the next generation or in two or three generations down the line, if these statistics continue to climb, it's going to mean less and less people know that the Lord is the only way. It's a scary thought when you think about the status and the condition of our country. See, we want these numbers of people that recognize the Lord, Jesus as Savior, as the only way, as the way, the truth, and the life. We want those numbers to increase. But by these statistics, it looks like it's decreasing. So we have to wake up. It goes on to say, we have found in our surveys that born-again young people born between 1980 and 2010 don't always have a biblical worldview. On questions, listen to this, concerning a basic worldview about God, the Bible, Jesus, and salvation, we found that those who were older ages 40 to 55, are more likely to give biblically orthodox answers than those who are younger, 18 to 39. Once you add questions about absolute moral truth or belief in the person of Satan, the percentages drop significantly in the younger group. Do we see what's happening here? And more and more, the worldview, a biblical worldview, a sound biblical worldview is changing as it's decreasing as time is going on. The Lord It's instructing us that we have to wake up, that we have to take this responsibility seriously. One statement that best illustrates biblical illiteracy is this, that Muhammad, Buddha, and Jesus are all valid ways to God. Nearly two-thirds of young people who fell into the category of born-again Christians, 60 to 65%, depending on the age group, they agreed. 60 to 65% of so-called born-again Christians Young people agree that Muhammad, Buddha, and Jesus are all valid ways to God. 60 to 65 percent. It's crazy. Now we understand what the Bible says in John 14, 6, don't we? And and we preach that here in this ministry, that Jesus is the, the, the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible says that no man goes to the Father but through him. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the way to salvation. He's the one who died for us. There have been many prophets, there are many other religions in this world, but Jesus, the Bible says, is the only way. And if we don't believe that, then we're in danger. And see, if we take on this worldview that that Buddha or or Mohammed uh, or many other religions can also get you to heaven, you know what it does to us? It causes us to refrain from sharing the good news. Because why? Because if there are more ways to get to heaven, then, then what's the importance of preaching Jesus? See, that's the mindset that takes place. But church, we have a responsibility to hold on to the truth. Pastors and Christian leaders must consistently teach the basics of the Christian life. We must not assume that everyone in the congregation or Bible study believes what we believe. In surveys we've provided for some churches, pastors have been surprised to find out how many in their congregation do not hold to biblical truths. I think right now I'm, I'm, I'm blessed when I think of, of the, the children's ministries that are taking place right now. That Jesus is being taught to our children. That scripture is being taught to our chil- to tr- children. Right living is being taught to our children. While you and I are being taught the word of God here this morning, our children are also being taught. Praise God for that. So we have an important responsibility, church. If we love those around us, if we care 
where they end up that we are going to have to take this responsibility seriously to pass it on. Now, we first understand that the Lord is constantly teaching you and I. That's why we come to church. That's why we're constantly here. We know the word of God. We know Jesus is the only way. We, we, we're saved and we're born again. The majority of us, we're, we're doing that, right? We're pursuing God, but we constantly come to church. Why? Because we want to be taught and we have to be reminded of these things of the word of God. Now, the Bible says in John 14, 26, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. It's one of the great ministries of the Holy Spirit. He teaches us. Perhaps you're coming up to a big decision in your life here, uh, coming up soon. You have some big decisions that you have to make. The Holy Spirit will teach you. Trust in him. Ask God for his wisdom. Ask God to, to show you. Ask the Holy Spirit. Reveal these things to me, and God will teach you. God will teach you these things. Perhaps you're struggling being a husband in this place. The Holy Spirit will teach you how to be graceful, how to be forgiving. He'll remind you of the things that you've learned over the pulpit. He'll impress these things on your heart. The Holy Spirit will teach you. Perhaps you're having trouble just being a, a, a law-abiding citizen. You know, that could be a funny thing, that, the, the, the way it sounds, but perhaps that you've only learned to do certain things a certain way because of your upbringing, but God will teach you a new way. Can you say amen? God will send people around you to teach you a new way, a way of right living, the ways to be a man, the ways to be a woman of God. Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God for his Holy Spirit that teaches us and reminds us. See, we have to constantly be taught and reminded. We're forgetful people. Forget. Come on. We're forgetful people. We, we forget things, and that's why we constantly come to church. That's why it's so important for you to be here this morning. Come to church. Always got to be at church. You got to be reminded, and if we learned it, we got to learn it again, and we have to continue to learn it. That's why we constantly have to come to church. Now listen to this. It said that there's some uh, percentages here. It said, we're talking about what people remember. 10%, uh, people remember 10% of what they read. 20% of what they only hear. 30% of what they only see. 50% of what they see and hear. 70% of what they see, what they say and write down. And 90% of what they do. People remember 90% of what they do when you get action involved. See, it's not enough just to come here to church. We have to come to church. We love what God's doing here, but we have to do. The Bible says, don't be hearers of the word, but doers of the word, right? Be doers of the word. If God's talking to you and I about forgiveness, then we have to practice forgiveness. God's talking to you and I about, about purity, we have to practice purity. If he's talking to us about prayer, we have to step up and pray. If he's talking to us about witnessing, we have to step up and, and witness. It's these things that we do, it's these actions. And I'll tell you that the, the flesh doesn't want to do these things. The flesh just wants to sit back in cruise mode, sit back and just listen and, and, and let let the work go on, but God wants us to actively participate. People remember 90% of what they do. Thank God that the Lord gives us the Holy Spirit to teach us. We must continue to learn, always. We gotta be teachable. We're talking about passing things on, but we have to constantly be learning. We have to take up a chair in the classroom of the Holy Spirit, of the spiritual, and we have to, we have to receive what the Lord's telling us. So you get that, when you, when you step into our classrooms, there's, there's, there's the teacher and there are the students. 
who are quietly listening and trying to, to receive all that the teacher has. And in this case, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. It's the Lord. It's the Word of God teaching us. We have to put on that thinking cap and that, that heart of a student. In Judges 3.7, the Bible says, The sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and Ashtaroth. See, when you think about people living in limbo, I, I don't really believe that. I believe that people make a decision whether they decide that Jesus is a way, the truth, and the life, and they receive him, and they follow him. That's the, the obedience that we have to practice. But those that, that would refrain from doing that, they may say, oh, I'm not ready. I'm just going to stand here in limbo uh, between this religion and that religion. There is no limbo. You make a decision. If you don't receive Christ, the Bible says what? You reject him. And that's the truth of God's word. There is no limbo. You, you either receive Jesus or we reject him. Those that would say that they're in limbo, they're not ready to serve God, they're not ready to do what the, what, what the Lord's asking them to do. Here in the, 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 the scripture that we read in Judges 3, 7, see it said that the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord, and what happened? They served the, the Baals and Ashtaroth. They served these other gods. So, so we're going to serve somebody. Isn't that the truth? We're going to serve somebody. We're either going to serve Jesus or we're going to go off and serve ourselves. We're going to serve the God of mammon, of money, of pleasure, of self-ambition. We're going to serve things that just please us or we're going to serve the Lord God Almighty. We have to make our choice. See, we have to pass these truths on. And it starts in the home. Man, if, we're, if you're entrusted to, to be a guardian or to be a mother or a father over your children or to, to have an influence over younger people, what a responsibility. We have to teach them that Jesus Christ is the way. He's the truth and he's the life. We have to continue to preach that. We have to love them, but we have to preach that truth. And we have to live by example so that whenever they're ready, they'll know who to call. Can you say amen? They got your phone number. So you and I have to constantly, constantly serve God and be faithful so that we can be that example for them. If we're honest with ourselves, church, we all have a lot to learn. Goodness, God help us. We've got a lot to learn. But God wants us to learn and he offers to teach us. Now I was thinking about Jesus. You know, he has many names. And in the, in the Bible, and there's an example here in John uh, 4.30. We're not going to read that scripture, but if you're taking notes, you can write it down. In John 4.30, they, they called him, his disciples called him rabbi. And rabbi and the relationship with his disciples listen to this it said that a disciple was expected to leave his family and job to join the rabbi in his austere lifestyle disciples would live with the rabbi 24 hours a day think of the disciples right the disciples, they were with Jesus. They left everything. The Bible says many of them were fishermen and they left their nets and they followed Jesus. They went with him. Where he went, they went. What he ate, what he ate they ate. They were with them 24-7 and, it, and it, it lines up with this description here. Disciples would live with the rabbi 24 hours a day, walking from town to town, teaching, working, eating, and studying. They would discuss the scriptures and apply them to their lives. See, if we call ourselves disciples, are you walking with Jesus? Am I walking with Jesus? Am I learning from him? Am I reading my word? Am I, am I, am I spending time with him? See, that's the relationship between a true disciple and their rabbi. 
And Jesus is our Messiah, the one that we're following. If we call ourselves disciples, we're going to have to do these things. See, sometimes we come to church and we wonder that, uh, why we're having the issues, the various issues in our lives. Maybe it's in the realm of, of marriage or in the realm of relationships. Or you're having trouble at school or, or at work or, you know, with your coworkers or there, there's family situations taking place. What are you learning? And not only that, what are we applying? See, we, we hear about uh, godly living. We hear about forgiveness. We hear about being a good employee, about working with character. We, we hear about not lying and not cheating and stealing. We understand and we read these things in the word of God, but are we applying it? See, that makes all the difference. The Bible says in Psalms 119, verse 129, your laws are wonderful, no wonder I obey them. The teaching of your word gives light, so even the simple can understand. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord's laws are wonderful, no wonder I obey them. If you want a successful life, if we want to, to excel in our life, if we want to achieve uh, our true dreams and desires and things that God has for us, we're gonna have to obey his word. Thank you, Jesus. So we learn through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit teaches us. Secondly, we learn by what we grow, go through, through the experiences in your life. Man, sometimes that's, that's the hardest school and that's the best school to go through, through your experiences. Yes, even sometimes the tragedies that, that you, you and I have experienced. The level of grace that, that we can experience through hardship and, and, and tragedy. There's no words to describe it. And I, I pray, and we don't pray that we go through tragedy to learn these things, but there's something about the experiences in our life that, that it teaches us something that, that I mean, re reading through a book, we, we understand it, we could believe it, but there's something about going through these experiences that builds character in you and I. See, if we're gonna have something of value to pass on to the next generation, we're gonna have to learn these things ourselves. We're gonna have to be a student of life, a student of God's word. So what are you going through this morning that's maybe causing you pain and heartache? Perhaps it's, it's, it's testing you and it's trying your patience. See, sometimes we just wanna, we wanna just flip over the chair and just, just get out of school and just run away. We don't wanna, we don't wanna listen anymore. We don't wanna to, to, to be in that school anymore. We don't wanna be a part of it anymore. Why? Because it's getting too hard. But church, if we would just remain in the school that God's called us to, if we would just remain as his students and we would just take in his word and take in all that he's doing through these experiences, it doesn't feel good, it doesn't sound good, but if we just stand and we stand steadfast, man, what we can learn and what we could have to pass on to the next generation. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I know in our lives we've, we've, we've seen people who have entered the tests and the trials, but they left or they didn't weather the storm. Perhaps there are loved ones that were in your home that things just got too hard and, and, and they, they physically left because it got too tough. Church, God didn't call us to quit. Can you say amen? He didn't call us to be quitters. You might be tempted in this place to throw in the towel, to leave the responsibility that God's given you. Perhaps uh, husbands, if I may speak to you for a moment, fathers, the, the, the priests of your home, it gets hard sometimes to lead. To, it gets difficult to, 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 to stick to your guns sometimes with your children, but, but we have no choice, man. If we want to pass something good on to our children, we're going to have to weather this storm. You're going to have to stick it out. You're going to have to stand up and be a man that God's called you to be. 
That's the only way. If we want to have something of value to pass on to the next generation, we're going to have to stay in school and continually learn in life. 1 Peter 1, 6, the Bible says, So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. See, sometimes it seems eternal, right? But, but I, I believe God has the right uh, uh, concept of time here, right? Because we, we could think of a trial, if it's so bad and it's one day, it seems like an eternity. But the Bible says that endure many trials for a little while. In the scheme of things, it's but for a short time. But you have to stand. These trials in verse 7 will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. This is good stuff this morning. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. That is gospel this morning. That is good stuff this morning. Can you say amen? See, our faith, it has to remain strong through trials because if it doesn't, what is it? If it cracks, if it breaks, if we let that faith go when things get a little tough, then what value is it? We have to hold on and hold on to it through many trials. You may be in a trial this morning. Stand fast. God's going to help you. So we learn from others. We learn from their example. We learn by what we hear, by what we read, by what we see, and by what we go through through the experiences. So thank you, Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is constantly teaching us and we learn through the experiences that we go through. So now we need to take what we learned and we need to pass it on. We have a short time, time, time. We don't have a lot of time, church. Believer, brother and sister, mother and father, aunt and uncle, whoever you are in this place, or elder, we don't have a lot of time. We have to learn, we have to take what we learned and pass it on. We have to impart it to others. Now I was thinking about the word impart, and here's what it means: it means to give, to convey, to grant. Impartation, then, is the act of giving or granting something. In the Bible, spiritual gifts are imparted. Wisdom is imparted. The message of the gospel is imparted. See, we have these things, and we have to impart them to those coming after us. Paul told young Timothy, who was his disciple, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 2, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Teach these things. Now Jesus spent three years with his disciples. That's the, that's the only time that he had. And I believe when he, when he left, he, he, he had to just have that realization, I would imagine, in his mind that, all right. And he prayed for his disciples. He prayed for them. But he only had three years to teach them because he had to go back to be with the Lord. And he, let the, he left the disciples, and it was, up, it was now up to them. You see, there's a short time that we have for learning, and now we have to just, we have to entrust those that God's placed under us to begin to apply it. The Bible says, direct your children, Proverbs 22, 6, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. That's a promise for somebody this morning. Can you say amen? You're believing God to bring in your, your prodigal son or daughter? That's your promise right there. If you've taught them, they're going to come back. God's going to bring them back. God's working in their lives. Psalms 127.3, children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. Thank you, Jesus. We have an opportunity to teach those under us. 
see, we're going to have to let him fly. There's going to be a time. And some of us, we might be so controlling. Can you say amen if we're honest with ourselves? Right? You have to do it my way. This is the right way. There's, there's no other way to do it. But there's going to have to be a time where you let them spread their wings, and they're going to have to learn, right? It's the whole analogy of, of, of the, 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 the mother pigeon or the mother hawk, whatever it is, just pushing, pushing that, 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 that baby out the nest, and they're either going to have to fly they're going to have to fly to learn. I was thinking about this uh, quite a few years back as, as, as I was a, a young man. I'm still a young man, of course, right? But I was, I was a young man in ministry. We were having an outreach. We had an outreach, and it was there in Southgate. And uh, everybody was, was just gathering around, right? We're just we're getting ready to get our marching orders, uh, just meeting up there. And uh, one of our pastors who was just going to give the direction, he was, he was getting ready to do it. But he saw me standing right there, and he goes, uh, he goes Matt, go ahead and do it. Matt, go ahead, go ahead and give instruction to the people. Uh, go ahead and open up in prayer, and, and, and I was just caught off guard, and, and goodness, I was put on the spot, but uh, I, I probably wouldn't have volunteered to do that. I wouldn't have volunteered to do that, right? I was just ready to, to just receive our orders and go out and outreach, but he trusted me enough to give me an opportunity to open up in prayer, to, to, to give the instruction, and praise God for that. I'll never forget that. I remember um, uh, just growing up, being a, being a shy young man, not, not wanting to do any public speaking or anything like that. And, and how, remember, uh, how many remember the outreaches back in the day, right? We'd set up on a, on a street corner. You'd have the PA. We'd do a skit or something. And we would just minister there to, to the neighborhood. And uh, they would give testimonies. And I remember, man, the, 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 anywhere near the stage is where if you were shy and didn't want to give a testimony, you would avoid that area, right? You'd be across the street, or, or you would just avoid that area like the plague. Why? Because I was shy, and I don't want to testify. But, but you would be walking by or something, and go, hey, Brother Matt, come and give a testimony. And you had to just step up, and you had to tell them what Jesus did in your life. But had no one ever asked me, or no one ever asked you, would you have stepped up? No, why? Probably because you were shy, you didn't want to do that. But thank God that people trusted you enough to be able to give you the mic to share what Jesus did in your life. Thank you, Jesus. And see, that's the example that you and I have, that we have to constantly allow others. We trust them. Let them spread their wings. Pass it on. And Jesus did this in Luke chapter 10. And for the sake of time, uh, it's verse 1 through 20. You could write it down. We could read it uh, later. But Luke chapter uh, 10, verse 1 through 20, in this scripture, this is where Jesus entrusted and sent out the 70 uh, to go out and preach. 72, he, he, he uh, selected them to go preach. And I'm just going to run through some of these scriptures. So Luke 10, 1 through 10, 20 is the passage. But through what the Lord told them, he gave them some life lessons that they, I believe, that, that stuck with them forever. Now, in verse 3, it said, he told them, Now go and remember that I am sending you as, out as lambs among wolves. I believe that, that he was telling the disciples that there may be some danger involved in what I'm asking you to do, but, but go ahead and go out and go out in faith. Verse 4, don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor extra pair of sandals. I believe that the Lord was telling them to trust God to supply, that he's Jehovah Jireh, right? So he was telling them to trust. Don't stop to greet anyone on the road. He was instructing them to stay focused. Verse 5, whenever you enter someone's house, first say, may God's peace be on this house. Being grateful, coming with peace, spending time with people in their homes, being grateful. Uh, verse 7, jumping to verse 7, don't move around from home to home, stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. What's the Lord teaching there to his disciples? Be appreciative for what is placed before you, right? Don't we tell that to our children, right? Whatever I cook for you, whatever is for dinner tonight, that's what you're going to eat. That's a life lesson right there, right? 
Man, some, sometimes we think we're a restaurant and we'll cook this for that child, this for that child, this for that child. You know, give them a menu and let them pick. No, but how was it back in the day, right? Mom or dad, grandma or grandpa, whatever they cooked, that was on the menu that night. And if you didn't like it, so what? You went to bed hungry. You had to eat what was in front of you. So the Lord was telling them, be appreciative for what is placed before you. Don't ask them, uh, you know, give them your menu request. No, be appreciative for what's before you. These are life lessons. Jump to verse 11. When people refuse you, they don't accept you. In verse 11, we wipe even the dust of your own town from our feet to show that we've abandoned you to your fate. And, and know this, the kingdom of God is near. He's teaching his disciples how to deal with rejection. Not every time, everyone's not always going to receive the message of the gospel that you have. But they don't reject you, they reject the Father, right? That's a lesson right there. Jump to verse 19. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. What was the Lord teaching his disciples? That God's on their side, that God is going to protect them and give them good success. In verse 20, don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Be grateful we are saved. Among everything else, God's going to use you for miracles. He's going to use you to win souls. God's going to use us for so many things. But first and foremost, be grateful that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. I thank God for the miracles. I thank what God's given me. I thank God, everything he's, God for everything he's entrusted me with. But I'm grateful that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's what it's all about. Thank you, Jesus. That's what it's all about, church. So we have to keep it in perspective. As we close, as a worship team makes their way up, I want to share a passage out of Acts 11 as we prepare to close here. Now, God was doing many great things in the book of Acts. And here in verse 19, we're going to read. We see the process of spiritual school, of learning, of passing this on to others. In verse 19 of Acts 11, Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution under Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God. Okay, that's what's happening this morning. We're preaching the word of God. They preached the word of God. Uh, jump to verse 21. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. Okay, this was in the city of Antioch, all right? So the Gentiles, this was big news because at first the Jews were the ones being converted, but now the message was going out to the Gentiles, you and I, the non-Jews, and many were, being, were believing and receiving the good, the good news. And that's the first step. The gospel's preached and people have to receive it. I'm preaching here this morning, for example, but unless you receive it in faith, there's no salvation. I could preach till I'm blue in the face, but unless you personally receive it, there's no salvation, right? So they received, they believed, and they turned to the Lord. Okay, and now we jump to Acts chapter 11, same chapter, uh, verse 22. When the church of Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw the evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. So the preaching went forth, the people received the word of God, and then here comes Barnabas, and he encouraged them. He encouraged them. And that's what's taking place this morning. For you and I, that have, this is our second time here. We've been you know, here for a few years. We're being encouraged to continue. And that's what Barnabas did, right? He encouraged them to stay true to, true to the Lord. Okay? And the Bible says that in Antioch, it's a place where the, where the believers, believers were first called Christians. Now, 
Let's go on. We're talking about passing it on. We're talking about teaching. Acts chapter 11, verse 25. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. And I believe here in this city that it wasn't an accident they were, that they were first called Christians because what's a Christian? Someone that's Christ-like, someone that is a student of God's word and applies himself to learn the things of God. See, the word of God was preached. The word of God was received by the hearers. The hearers were then encouraged to continue in the faith. And after that, here comes Barnabas and he went and he called Saul and they spent a year with them teaching them. That's what we're doing this morning. We're being taught. We're being taught how to be mothers, how to be fathers, how to be husbands, how to be wives, how to be disciples, how to be examples in this world. We have to continue to be students if we're gonna have something of value to pass on to those after us. So as I conclude this morning, we thank God for the Holy Spirit that teaches us each and every day. We thank God that we learn through the lessons and the issues of life that we go through. And we understand that we have such valuable truth that we have to pass on to the next generation. How do you do this? You do it through relationship. You do it through getting to know them. You do it through the ministries that you're a part of and you're blessed to work with other volunteers. For teachers, you're blessed because you have a forum there to teach others, to teach the younger ones. We have an opportunity to do it at our jobs, in the home, in the four walls of our homes with our children. As we look back at the things our grandparents and our parents taught us about loving God, obey what God tells us, to pray always, to praise God always, to love your family, to forgive others so you will be forgiven, not to drink, not to smoke, read your Bible, pray for others, be kind, be thoughtful, give, be a giving person, love your children, love your husband, love your wife, spend time with them. Don't sacrifice your loved ones for more time at work. Don't love money but earn it by working hard and using it wisely. Find time to rest, but don't be lazy. Respect your elders. Practice good manners. Don't talk down to others, but esteem them above yourself, for they are human just like you and I. Respect your leaders. Appreciate others. Ask yourself, what can I do to help? Don't gossip. Don't be a busybody, but manage your own affairs in your own household. Don't hold grudges. Learn from those above you and teach what you know to those around you. Thank you, Jesus. These are all lessons that God help us to pass down to the next generation. And God's gonna give you opportunities. You know, I was just out back uh, yesterday doing some, some yard work and uh, the neighbor was right there and we began talking and uh, he's a believer, he's a believer. He's, he's doing his best to serve God. And, and he said, hey man, he goes, uh, do you really think that, that God you know, the scripture that says that, that he could forgive you of, of, of any sin, that he could forgive you. Is that true? Is that really true? And because of what, what I know about God, and I know how God's forgiven me, and I know what God's word says, with an absolute yes, with the period at the end, I told him, yes, God can forgive you. It doesn't matter what you've been through or what you've done. Sometimes 
we can carry things, right? We have a problem forgetting things, but it's in those times that we look at the Word of God and the Bible says, what? What does He do to our sin? He takes it. He takes it from us and He casts it into the deepest sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. That's what the Bible says about God's ability to forget. Thank you, Jesus. That's good news for you. That's good news for, for, for you and I. If you're in this place and you've been carrying a weight, if you've been burdened down because of your past and all the things that perhaps you've done, if you come to Jesus with an open heart and a repentant heart, you ask him, forgive him for forgiveness. Pastor Matt, will he forgive me? Yes, he will forgive you. Yes, he will forget that sin. He will forget it. Not because he's a forgetful God, but he makes a decision to forget those things and, and, and say, it's okay. Go forward. Go forward. I've forgiven you for those things. Don't let them weigh you down anymore. See, we all have opportunities to share the good news. And it's in simple times like that, perhaps with your neighbor or at the grocery store or at work, a simple question, you have an opportunity to surpass the truths that we've learned in the kingdom of God and we've learned and we're able to pass it on. Thank you, Jesus. You received that this morning? Thank you, Lord. Let's give God praise in this place as we bow our heads. Father, we're grateful, Lord God, for everything you've done this morning. With every head bowed, every eye closed.